Hello and welcome to another episode of the Level Edit podcast. Today we are joined by an extra special guest and we will be talking about the topic of game jams. Uh, but first, let's introduce our regular co-hosts, Glyn and Nida. Glyn? Hello, I am Glyn, as they say. I'm Can't Be Left Blank on Twitter and I'm a software engineer and occasional uh, game developer. Hey, I'm Nida. I do all things games, UX and a bit of business. I'm Dan. I am currently running a one-man studio, Maybe Later Games, working on a narrative adventure game called Anachronist. And today we are joined by the wonderful Jupiter Hadley, who is an expert on all things indie. Jupiter, would you like to introduce yourself for us? Sure. Hi, I'm Jupiter. Um, I do lots of stuff, but I consider myself a games journalist and a YouTuber. I cover thousands of indie games and game jam games each and every year. And I um, own a couple of websites, including Indie Games Plus and BigBossBattle.com, where we review indie games, as well as IndieGameJams.com. It's just Game Jam. No, it's IndieGameJams.com. I know my web URL. <laughs> IndieGameJams.com, which is a calendar of all of the game jams happening in the world. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> So I can definitely see that you're like a fanatic of indie games and game jams. What is it that made you so interested in them? So this is a bit of a, a longer story, so I'm going to tell you the full story. Um, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a game developer. I hung out with game developers, I played Minecraft with game developers, and I thought it was really cool. Um, I played around with um, Game Maker and found that I am not a game developer. I don't have the patience to learn how to be a game developer. Nothing happens as fast as I want it to be. Um, and I just struggled a lot. Uh, but I still hung around all of these game developers and it was suggested that I sort of record games because I enjoyed playing them. And then someone, well, someone, Contra Logic on Twitter, uh, a good friend of mine was like, do you know people make games in like 48 hours? And I was like, that's not a thing. It's not possible. You can't make a game that fast. Uh, but it turns out that people do. <laughs> and it was amazing and such um, an inspiring thing to see. These people were doing stuff that I wish that I could do um, super fast and super like nicely and well done. Um, so I just started covering them and I, I just continued. Um, I very much like the indie game community as a whole. It's a, a lovely place. And everything's so tight-knit and everyone's so supportive. And it's one of the better communities I've ever been a part of. What is it about game jams in particular that motivates you to write and review them? I guess I'd mainly be the people behind them, which is kind of like a bit of a cheesy answer, I guess. Um, game jams, as a start, um, they're the best part of making a game is what I've always been told. They're the fast prototypes. So when you see game jam games, um, when I see game jam games, a lot of them, first off, are throwaway games. They're like weird concept and weird ideas and weird jumbled together bits of things that people have made in a couple of days. And I can get through them quite quickly and understand what the core concept is quite quickly because that's what they're for. That's what they're made for. And I really enjoy um, being able to see so many different games come off of the same theme. And I find that super interesting. I find just Game Jam games a whole super interesting compared to Bigger games, the amount of time that you need to play Game Jam games is a whole lot less, so it is a quicker playthrough. But I also found that like people don't expect you to cover their little throwaway weird projects. Because why would you? These are things that they made in a couple of days. They're throwaway projects. 
Um, and when you do cover um, people's first games released um, publicly, which will be Game Jam games half the time, um, they're so grateful and excited and validated through that experience. And it's wonderful to get to spend uh, my time validating these individuals through playing their little tiny Game Jam games. And there's so much um, creativity and soul in Game Jam games. And Game Jams that have specific themes that get a lot of entries are so wildly variety. Like, it's such a big variety of takes. And it's cool to see all these different points of views as people are learning to make and develop games. It's really, really fun and really great to write about and to cover and to just see. That is really interesting. And I can definitely relate to that. I remember I first got into this through making uh, adventure maps in Minecraft way, way back. Mm -hmm. And like when someone actually uploaded a YouTube video playing it, I was like, what on earth is this? And that is still like my favorite part, watching people playing my games. I love mm -hmm. it. Um, so it's more like the variety and the creativity and even the weirdness of the games that mm -hmm. sort of compels you. I wanted to ask, do you do reviews of AAA games or do you have a different stance towards them? Um, I don't review AAA games. I haven't played AAA, like this year was the first year that I had like played two AAA games besides like playing like The Sims, which I, I do play. And I feel like I played a bit of Mario on the Switch. I don't even know the name of it. Mario Odyssey? Odyssey, yeah, 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 yeah. Super yeah. Mario Odyssey. I've played a bit of Odyssey and I played a bit of, um, I played a bit of The Sims occasionally. But apart from that, I've not really played AAA games. Um, AAA games get a lot of coverage, so I feel that it's not a good use of my time anyway. Um, but I just very much like the indie world. I very much enjoy the things that come out of it and enjoy it more, I guess. I've never been much into AAA games. Recently, um, Bandai Namco holds these like press events. Um, so I started going to those because it seemed like a fun thing to do. <laughs> and um, started playing a couple of, like I wrote up a couple of things on AAA games uh, then. Um, and found that like the two games that I was most drawn to had developers who had played their Game Jam games currently working on them. That was fun. Um, but yeah, no, I just tend to enjoy more indie stuff. I don't know, don't give a lot of time to whatever is going on in the AAA world, Red Dead Redemption and their horses or whatever. I don't know much about it. And a lot of times people assume that because I cover games and because I cover indie games, I know more about like retro games and about AAA games but I've just I've just got my niche and that's where I live and that's where all my time goes. No I can so. respect that I think you're right you know there's so much so many people covering AAA but you know who's covering the indies so I, I do respect that I think that's awesome. Um, so you talked about you know particular games are there any that have actually stood out to you you know we're talking about specific examples that you've seen uh, being produced from game jams or indies what are your favorites? My favorite. So that's a big question. I've played um, close to thirty thousand games, and so it's hard oh, to pick <laughs> favorites at this point. Um, I've got some favorite developers. My all-time favorite indie game will forever be uh, Franbo. It's had that title for since it released. Um, they're currently making Kill Monday Games, is the name of the studio. They're currently making a, another game called uh, Little Misfortune, which I'm really excited to see. Uh, Friendbo is a point-and-click um, horror-esque adventure game where you play friend, and a bad thing has happened. And 
Fran knows the bad thing has happened and she's escaping um, a mental asylum and she takes these medicines to see reality versus her reality and her reality is like gruesome and scary and bad but this little girl doesn't see it as gruesome and scary and bad because it's it's where she lives it's where she's always been it's what she likes and it's a beautiful beautiful tale about this and eventually her reality becomes the reality and you find out about the bad thing um but it's um a game that made me cry when i played through it i really enjoyed it quite old now i'm quite excited that they're making a new game um i've got a lot of game jam developers that i quite like and that i keep an eye on um andyman404 on twitter um he makes the strangest games and all of them are wonderful they're all beautifully 3d um he made one that was like a super long title about uh, mutant mole rats it was like mutant mole rats dating simulator whatever and basically it was a bunch of mini games where you tried to get these mole rats to not only like you had to like tinder them so that they had likes and dislikes and you had to match them and then by just hitting spacebar because the whole theme of the game was like one button you had to hit spacebar to pick like the direction that this hamster needed well mole rat needed to go underground to avoid all of these obstacles and get them to their date on time and it was just the most bizarre thing i've ever played and i just that that encompasses like his work is always like that he made a game about grasshoppers with top hats racing through a fairy forest just going at high speed collecting little orbs of light he makes such interesting things um ludipe is another one of my favorite uh ludipe yeah ludipe is how i say his name i don't know if that's actually how you say his name but ludipe is an amazing um game jam developer uh he made most recently it won the rock paper shotgun uh game jam the egx and rock paper shotgun one it was called finger olympics where each of the number keys on your keyboard control a different like character at the bottom of the screen and they pop up and down and you can play with up to nine people and you just basically solve all these mini games and whatnot and it's just cute and fun and a lot of his stuff is is cute and fun and he's got a full studio yeah an indie studio where they make like bigger games, uh, place for an un- for the unwilling is what they're currently making, which is sort of a um, open world. It's not that open. It's um, an adventure game, I would say. That's kind of story based, um, and it's all about this. Um, you, you're like your cousin or whatever has died, and you're going to check out his estate and to understand what happened to him and to understand his life a bit better. And through exploring this town, um, you try to understand exactly what's happened. Um, and it's just a very, it's got a lot of twists and it's very interesting in the way that it's presented. And he makes lots of games that are very interesting in the end. Uh, I quite like my strange point and click adventure games and my strange adventure games in general. Um, another, I'm just going to keep, I can keep saying indie games for days though. So feel free to stop me at any point. (laughs) There's, um, we'll go for uh, one more, one more. <laughs> there's this other developer called Eli. Um, so if you go to itch.io and you type in the word juice, that's his game. Um, and then you can find his itch there. Um, and juice is like a weirdly cathartic story game where you just you pour juice into a glass and then you hear a little bit of a story on why you're obsessed with juice. And it, it just really connected with me as someone who loves juice. Um, and I very much enjoy all of his little creations. Recently, he was at Game Anglia, where he had a jar of whispers. 
and he whispered into his computer, and the sound gra- the sound wave then created a firefly in a jar that went around with your specific pattern based on your secrets. So he just collected a jar of secrets. It's just weird, and I love it. Sand gardeners also have great games. I'm just going to throw that in, despite you saying one more. They make cool <laughs> stuff. Well, they sound you said it, it really sound interesting. So, yeah, we'll definitely, we've got those down, so they'll be um, in the links uh, in the description if you want to check those out. Um, so now I want to move to um, tips about how you should join a game jam. You know, if you're interested in joining game jams, where should you go? What should you do primarily? What are the things that you should or shouldn't do while you're in a game jam? And also we're going to share some of our experiences of competing in game jams as well. So I, I open the floor to everybody now. Um, how do we get the most out of game jams? So my experience with game jams, and I think I asked uh, Quang from Asobi Tech last time mm. about this kind of idea. Um, it kind of de- comes down to you get out of it what you think you want out of it to some degree, and sometimes some extra stuff. So if you go in to compete, then you'll get a solid experience with making a game in a limited time frame in a very competitive manner and oftentimes you'll find out that although the thing that you made is cool somebody else made something a lot cooler um, maybe in the way that you didn't expect um, if you go in to make friends you'll probably find a lot of good people sometimes it depends where you go I've had experiences outside of London that haven't been quite as good just because the variety of people has not been as wide and I've had wonderful experiences in London and in some other places where I've met some really cool people who I never expected. Um, teams is always a weird one for me. I've had a lot of bad experiences working in teams through university. Mm. And I've had some bad experiences working in teams in game jams. Um, but I've also had some good experiences. And I think when I uh, really early on, I had this conception that you had to work with people who were kind of on your level of skill just because it would match up with the timing as much. Um, But then I kind of went to a game jam where people weren't necessarily the best at what they were doing in the game jam, but they actually wanted to put in the time and effort to make something. And we actually ended up making something really cool, even though it was kind of like a construction of sticks and stones held together by glue. But it's kind of like that childlike glee where you're just making something and nobody has to really have a good idea of what you're making or like be good at the technical aspect as long as they're willing to put in the enthusiasm and you're all aligned in the central idea you get something out of it that's weird and wonderful um so i've had like a lot of different experiences with game jams some good some bad um i think overall like i i'm much richer for doing them i think like jupiter said i kind of do them because Sometimes when I try and make a feature, I spend two weeks on it, and then I feel like I haven't moved an inch. <laughs> so game jams make me feel like I'm an actual competent human being again. <laughs> <laughs> quick prototyping, quick prototyping. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting point about, I think, the variety of people you meet. So, for example, like I don't do development, but I still enjoyed the game jams I've participated in, which is only two, but I've met so many different types of people and I've taken on so many different types of roles. Um, 
something I've, I've just loved, loved about game jams is just the openness of interpretation of what you can do. Um, so, for example, with the Jupy Jam, like seeing the games coming out of that, they were so varied and so diverse and some were crazy, some were really sad and made me cry, like Hannah's game, actually, I think which one. But um, it's, it's that type of environment that I think is really helpful to be in, like regardless of if you're a developer or not. I think even like just from a creative mindset, it's really good to keep you inspired and motivated and just meet really cool people doing really cool things, I think. So I'd like to mention that there are online game jams for people who live out in the middle of nowhere. And you can get the same sort of things that you'd get, like, as far as meeting people. A lot of people think that um, online game jams have to be done solo because you're not going to a location, you're not meeting people. But most bigger online game jams, for example, um, Proc Jam, the Asylum Jam, um, and even smaller ones nowadays have discords where you can go and voice chat and meet other people with different skill sets. And a lot of times um, game jam hosts will promote during their game jam um, tweets of people looking for other people to team up with. So you can still get that experience of working with and meeting other people and enjoying that sort of setting despite living where like not where you don't have access to like London to a city um, where I lived uh, back in New York game jams weren't a thing that were happening anywhere near me there wasn't game development courses there wasn't game developers uh, I came from a, a dairy farm town <laughs> there were lots of dairy farmers but they didn't there wasn't there wasn't a game jam culture there wasn't gaming culture um, but you can still participate and be part of a community online and that's quite nice Absolutely. It's it's quite interesting because um, I went to my brother with this problem. I said to myself, you know, it's great going to game jams. And I, one of my primary purposes for going to game jams was to sort of network, meet people, um, and sort of learn from them as well. And uh, I always had this worry that, you know, if you go to a game jam, it doesn't necessarily mean that you team up with anybody. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned this to him and he actually ended up building a website called Crowdforge, crowdforge.io. Mm. And he, uh, it's basically a, a place where game jams are posted online and you can either go and post a team there or you can look at the teams that have been posted and join someone else's team. And you say like, this is my primary role. This is what I would like to do within this jam. And there'll be a little description of what they want to do inside the jam as well. So if you are looking for teams for stuff, for, for jams that are coming up, then definitely go and check that out as well. Mm. Um, it is quite topical as well because Ludum Dare is just around the corner. That's starting oh. on the 30th of November. Uh, Ludum Dare. Uh, <laughs> you sound favorite? very excited. <laughs> I, this year, this year has been a long year and there have been so many game jams and uh, so many big game jams. So it's worth noting, when I first started covering game jams, there was four. There was Ludum Dari, which is four a year, three and a half a year. There was Global Game Jam, which I didn't cover because their website's a mess. Because um, you don't have to upload builds, I should say. You don't have to upload anything, which is very, very annoying when trying to cover a jam. <laughs> um, there was a ZX Spectrum Game Jam, where you code in BASIC. Wonderful. And there was a charity game jam around Christmas every year. Now there's like 40 going on at any given point in time. And they just keep growing. So Ludum Dare is a wonderful game jam with a cool community behind it. Most of them are great. Um, I'm still personally sad that I can't vote on games. 
But with that said, I do enjoy it. I wish they still had trophies like they used to. Their new website um, took away the ability for trophies, which is sad. But there's just so many games. I haven't finished covering the last Ludum Dore. been traveling too much. Um, and there's too many games entered. Uh, it's just a lot. And it's always around... The, the one around Christmas time is always the, I don't know, most stressed one for me. Because it's Christmas. And I want to yeah. do Christmas things. So much to do already. And then you've got all these games to go through as well. Yeah, I all of them. Um, intense. Just going to ask, Jupiter, I was actually intrigued. Like, how do you pick and choose which game jams to cover? There's so many. So, good question. The old standard was more than seven games entered. Um, then a lot of game jams happened. <laughs> and it became more of... Um, at the beginning of the month, I send out a newsletter of game jams that I think look interesting. And these are game jams where people have already signed up. They're game jams that have a logo, so it'd be easy for me to make a thumbnail for them. They're game jams that have an interesting theme or an interesting diversifier or topic. Those are the game jams that at the end of the month, I'll look back and see if they've got a lot of traction. Otherwise, I wait until someone DMs me or emails me or Skype messages me or Discords me a link to a game jam and asks because I've got such a big backlog at this point that, like, adding to it is just detrimental. <laughs> so I try to see more of what um, is truly interesting and what other people would like to see videos of, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Before we do move into Game Jam's place within the industry, I just wanted to um, talk about a bit of my own experiences and tips as well. So I've done lots of Game Jams too, and I've done okay in them. I haven't necessarily placed, you know, top or the highest, but I've been up there. Um, I think primarily I like to do them because it's a nice distraction from the work that I do around the year because I'm sort of full-time working on my own project. It can be a bit, <laughs> you know, when you're stuck in your own ways and you're still on the same game and you can get a bit sick of it after a while. So it's nice to just throw all that away and work on something else for a while, uh, even if it's just for a weekend. And then, you know, it's also really fast prototyping. It's a very different pace to when you're trying to get something that's perfect and polished. Um, so tips that I would say, uh, I would say be realistic. Let's go mm. very small. Don't, you know, take on way too much because it's better to have something that's small and finished than, you know, ambitious and, you, you know, you've got a main menu and that's your game because, you know, I <laughs> always play a main menu. So, um, yeah, definitely make sure you have something playable work to the mvp the minimum viable product and then build on top of that i would say um i would also say take care of yourself a lot of these mm. things happen over 48 hours sometimes there are ones that are a week or two weeks um but the 48 hours ones in particular you get people doing all-nighters you get people staying up for like 24 26 28 hours in a row and um i think people are just kidding themselves that they're being more productive at that point you know you should just take the time go to sleep Mm -hmm. have some food and then you'll be back and refreshed and have like a new full day of work rather than you know half a day of zombie and then half a day passed out somewhere <laughs> so i would say definitely take care of yourself mm -hmm. um sometimes i like to use jams as like a learning opportunity as well if you think to yourself oh this is thing i'd really like to learn or do uh it's you know it's a great environment to just go and try and pick something new up it could be a new game engine or maybe a new discipline, say so you've done a little bit of art, but you haven't done a lot of art, you could, you know, take on the art responsibility for this project. And, you know, if it's not amazing, it doesn't really matter because it's all quick prototyping anyway, mm -hmm. but it's a nice opportunity to learn stuff. Um, 
Finally, I would say identify what your own goals are for what you want to get out of the game jam. So like I said, it might be you want to learn something. Do you want to win? You know, I'm not against anybody signing up just to win. It does look good as a portfolio piece if it does do well. And again, even if it doesn't win, you can still take that game and then uh, move on and develop it into a full thing. Maybe this is like your impetus for starting a game. And then, uh, you know, even if you don't finish it or have an MVP, this doesn't matter to you because mm. you know that you're going to continue to work on that with your team or maybe as a solo project. So I would say look at what you want to get out of it and then um, go from there, really. And if you are working in a team, try to find people who are on in the same um, sort of boat as you who want the same goals as well. If you If you want to take this game and make it a full thing and the other people are there, you know, just for a break, then that might not be something that they want to continue. So are you prepared to finish that on your own? Maybe. But definitely questions worth asking. Yeah, I think with planning, um, that's a really important thing to consider as well. Uh, so I don't have, like I said, not too intense um, experience with game jams, but from the ones I've had, is a lot of people don't like having a plan. And I kind of get that because you change a lot of things as you go along. Um, but there'll be sometimes in some game jams or just people I know that have done game jams. So I'll be like, what's, what's the general idea of what you want or what you want to achieve? And then... They're like, I don't know. I just want to make. And that's completely fine. So I think it's, you know, if, if you're making something like to win or something where you want a final thing that's polished in that, I think you need to then start planning from the get-go and then adapt that plan as you go along. Mm. Um, because then that will help you meet your goals. Whereas if you're someone there just to have fun and be creative, you do not have to worry about that as much. I mean, I don't know, Jupiter, what your experience is or your tips on that. No, it's. I think planning's definitely good. Um, even if you aren't there to like make a final finished product, you're just there to have fun. Having a, a solid plan helps you take care of yourself better because most of the time, people who end up planning what they're doing plan time to rest and sleep, which is helpful. Um, when it comes to game jams, there's a lot of uh, default answers when people ask me for tips. Um, mainly, which have been mentioned, to have a small scope, rest, prep before the game jam. Uh, make sure you have all of your software updated before a time-sensitive game jam like Ludum Dare, including that computer, that Windows update you've been putting off, because that'll happen and you'll lose all your code. Um, <laughs> the best bit of advice I ever heard, um, someone giving someone else at a game jam, which I've then stolen and is now my advice, is um, make a core mechanic and then spend some time making that core mechanic feel good and fun and then polish the game around that if it's a short game jam of like 24 hours. If it's a long game jam, like the seven-year game jam, the forever jam that lasted forever, um, you have a bit more leeway. But for short game jams, making a core mechanic that feels nice and that feels fun and then polishing around it will more often than not end up with a, a good game that's entered. But a lot of it's down to scope. A lot of people go into game jams and just over-scope. I went to... Um, a Ludum Dare in Madrid and I sat down with a solo developer and asked them what their game was going to be like and they said an online RPG um, an MMO RPG online about golf and I was like in 48 hours <laughs> and he was like yeah and I'm coding my own engine and I was like oh okay. my word <laughs> and you're doing this solo and he was like yep and I was like okay <laughs> and what that's just produce? I'm so Nothing. curious. A start yeah. screen. I mean, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's great if that's what you wanted to accomplish, but it's just very unrealistic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, are there any more tips or um, experiences that people want to share? Yeah, I think like um, just going off the kind of stuff that you guys were talking about, I think some of the stuff I've learned, especially from game jams, is that I know Rami talked about this in the GP jam, but kind of any game people play, it's always happening in their own head. It doesn't really, I mean, it matters what your game is and what you've put into it, but the construct is what people are taking away when they're playing that game. And so sometimes, especially in game jams, you'll make this like terrible rickety piece of thing uh, that you know everything, every little detail about all its faults, and then you'll give it to someone else. And the way they'll perceive it is completely different because they don't see this like abomination that's been made out of glue and sweat and a lot of pizza and lack of sleep. They just see <laughs> this like game and sometimes especially with um if you're going in there to compete a lot of times you'll be like blown away by other people's things that where they've, they've constructed an experience for the player that's completely different to the type of experiences you normally construct i think that's just as valuable to see that what you're making is like this end experience it's not just a technical thing it's not just a thing that fits the theme um, it's something that people will take away their own little adventure from. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I think scope kind of plays a point there as well. Like, how much mm -hmm. does this one feature actually give the player? You know, um, so maybe that's something to consider when you're planning. How, you know, do do you need screen shake? Maybe it's yes. Maybe it's a no. Um, think how long it'll take and sort of plan accordingly. We, we once had a project that was like the artist wasn't very good so all of the art was terrible but it was like an echolocation based game okay. so you, you would ping and it would like highlight the silhouette of things so everybody thought the art was fantastic because all you could see was the silhouette <laughs> you couldn't see these horrible like polygon like misshapen <laughs> creatures and that's the best way to hide bad art just make it yeah <laughs> I, th I thought i thought that was kind of beautiful that mm. our impression of the game was this like horrible looking like badly shaded thing but everyone else just saw this cool world of like mystery that they could explore through like walking through it yeah i think that's a great point of like you know you, does it mean you lack in a certain area like you can take that to your advantage and it can be a strength like through your game i think that's why game jams are a really great time to kind of explore that and see. Um, because now that's going to look great on his portfolio as well now. So <laughs> it's a win-win situation, I think. Yeah, kind of before you even start planning, just think, okay, is this something I want to work on or is this something I'm really good on that I want to improve? And then go from there. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's definitely wise to work around. If you're working in a team, work around your team's strengths and sort of play to your strengths, try and minimize your weaknesses and that's a very good example of how to do it okay and if your team's not working out feel free to break up your team it's a game jam yeah. there shouldn't be harsh feelings you should be able to enjoy the time there instead of going forward on stuff that doesn't work out yeah that is a very good tip as well i think as well just quickly um something that dan mentioned in one of our previous podcasts about kind of planning is that it's really good to at the start when everyone's like contributing ideas 
to kind of shove everyone's ideas into this pool together. Because the worst starts of game jams is when one person goes in with their own idea of what they want to make. Mm -hmm. And they either accidentally join a team or they grab a team to help people make them this idea. And they just champion this idea through. And you don't always get the best result out of that. Um, I like it when everyone just shoves as many ideas as possible into a pool. Because there's obviously going to be some ideas that you think of immediately when you hear the theme that you really want to make. But if you keep throwing ideas into a pool, A, you'll feel less ownership of the idea. And also you might start thinking of ideas that are different or better than the original mm -hmm. idea that you had after you've shoved like the initial one in there. Um, and also everyone can then see everything and you can start to kind of compromise towards something that everyone wants to make. Um, Definitely. And an even more abstract tip on that sort of area. <clears throat> like you said, you put the idea in the pool and then you discuss the idea as that idea or idea one. You don't say, you know, Glenn's idea. Oh, Glenn's <laughs> idea is crap. Idea one is not great or whatever you want to say. Because then, again, you sort of separate your own ownership. So people mm. are less inclined to feel defensive, which we naturally do. So if you sort of separate the idea from the person, I think it can help you be more objective about what is a good idea to pursue and what is not. Let's move on now to um, how game jams are evolving and how they're changing and also what their influence is within the industry. So, um, first of all, you know, what about the prevalence of game jams? Would you say they've become more mainstream? I know, Jupiter, you were saying there's, no, uh, <laughs> there's a new game jam every other day now. Yeah, literally every other day. There's so many more game jams and there's so many more studios doing in-house game jams and you're seeing like bigger indie games come from game jams. So like Snake Pass, have you guys heard of Snake Pass? Yeah. That was a game jam game from an in-studio jam where they just made the movement of the snake and were like, this could be fun. And it won the in-house game jam and they made a full game. And that's just a thing that's happening now for quick prototyping. Um, so it's definitely become more um, important and a much more bigger part of indie gaming uh, or indie game developing, especially when it comes to um, building up skill sets and when it comes to um, experimenting and learning. It's a really, really valuable tool that you can just spend some time investing in. Um, so you're seeing so much, so much more. Um, and at the same time, I feel the game jams are making just more out there games appear um, because I find that game jams are, are super unique in the way that the games entered in them are, have very different and very creative uh, backings almost and aspects to them. Um, and games like Party Hard um, that have come straight from game jams and they haven't even like placed well in those game jams that they were made for. They're just an interesting and unique idea. Now they've got like sequels and spinoffs and are fully backed by publishers. And it's just amazing. Um, it's great to, when you approach a publisher, have a demo for them. And having um, demos um, based on slightly polished versions of your Game Jam games is easier to do than trying to make a vertical slice of a game. If that makes sense, because like developers spend a long time making games. So being able to quickly prototype and get there and have a deadline um, helps with how fast games do need to be produced now that there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, I would probably say that with like itch, 
sort of coming into its own now. It's so easy to set up your own jam that, you know, there are jams every other day, like I said, and it doesn't really... You can set up an unofficial jam very quickly. Um, there's nothing to say that it's going to be popular or have lots of entries necessarily, but um, I think it's definitely contributed to how many more of them there are about. Um, and perhaps maybe just um, the simplification, not the simplification, but the accessibility of game development tools that now exist. You know, you're talking about Game Maker. I agree. I come from a Game Maker background. That was my first um, engine that I used, if, you know, we don't class Minecraft as an engine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maybe not. <laughs> no, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was definitely very accessible for me, even though I didn't necessarily have a coding background. Um, and now that these tools exist nowadays, it is much easier to sort of get into games and make your first game. Whereas, you know, if we go back... 20, 25, 30 years, you, you had to know so much more uh, about um, computing to be able to create something, and um, the limitations were definitely uh, a lot more restricting too. So I think that's possibly contributed to um, how prevalent game, jam game jams are nowadays. Yeah, I think with that, you know, you've got different types of game jams popping up. So the first game jam I went to was the... Uh, refig XX Plus game jam, which was for women uh, and minorities within games. So it's like game jams are really cool. Like you're saying with accessibility, so it's kind of inviting people of different backgrounds and encouraging them to try new ideas and do new, different things. Um, and when I did that game jam, it was really nice because I was just in an environment with women and gender minorities just trying different things. And it's, you know, you get put with different types of people. Um, and that allows you to grow in different ways and explore different themes that you may have not otherwise. Other issues that you wouldn't in AAA games. So like Jupiter was saying earlier with some of the favourite games that she has, like some made her cry, some made her feel other things. Um, and I think that's what makes them really exciting. Like I can experience being someone of a completely different background to mine. Um, and I think with the way game jams and with the way the industry is going in general, you've got more people coming in, so you've got more perspective and more insight as we go along. Yeah, I think, um, like you guys have said, I, I've seen game jams as a thing that's always existed, whether it's been uh, at companies, you'll have um, game jams to develop features quickly, um, develop prototypes quickly, or to just have fun and let people kind of explore ideas that they've wanted to explore, but there hasn't been time or scope for it. I know a lot of Bethesda's DLCs come from kind of an in-house game jam. Um, I know there's a lot of companies that just push out games really fast because they know that not every game is going to be a hit. So they kind of do the game jam prototyping to see which things they should explore and take further. Um, and I think even personally, People tend to do game jams a lot, just like because, like Jupiter mentioned at the beginning, it's a frustration of game developers that games take a long time to make, mm -hmm. and sometimes you just want to say, "I am sick of not having made much stuff, so I just want to poop something out there, uh, out into the universe, uh, with blatant disregard for any kind of safety measures or <laughs> ritualized." testing mm -hmm. or standards and I want to see what happens um I know when I started off like after I made a couple of things I, I started doing that especially as you get better you tend to put more time into your stuff whereas when you've just started making games you tend to just make anything 
So mm. it's this weird kind of like disjunction where when you're more experienced, you make sometimes better things, maybe better technically, but not necessarily better design things. And they take longer and you start to miss when you were not as wise and you could just make anything mm. and it would be made in a much shorter time and maybe technically it wouldn't be as good but it was still a game um i just think nowadays like you've had like you've said you've had so much more people getting into the industry you've had pushes for like hackathons there's been more of a kind of industry and perhaps governmental push for people to get into uh programming and software and games and things like that that more people are here and there's also older people who are willing to host game jams for us uh young idiots um to to make things up yeah i think it's interesting what you're saying about you know game jams can kind of bring people into the software development industry in general because they might not have any prior coding experience but then this is sort of their first taste of it um and then from that they can develop skills to um you know potentially go into the software um industry but i think it also works the other way. Sometimes there are professionals who already work in software development or software engineering, but they're not actually involved with games development. This isn't, you know, this isn't actually many people I know because all the people I know in tech are games based. But um, I definitely think, you know, there are some people who, you know, they're very good at software development, but they don't get to do the fun coding <laughs> of coding a game. So mm. I think you know, game terms is probably a good opportunity for them to, um, you know, just give it a shot. It's only a weekend. Um, it's a bit of fun. If nothing comes of it, it doesn't really matter. And yeah, it's kind of an odd one. What is fun code and what is not fun code? You know, is finance not fun, but gaming is fun because it's still coding. It's still work. But if you come from a different background, I think it's definitely um, something that people do enjoy doing. And maybe that's sort of influencing who is coming into the industry as well. You know, if you if they do do some game development and they think, wow, this is awesome, then maybe it's bringing people from other areas of software um, development and you know, pushing them into the um, game development world, as it were. So that's a possibility. Okay, so moving on now, we wanted to just talk about how you should set up your own jam. Because Jupiter, you've run a jam, right? I am going to preface this with mainly Quang ran the jam, but yes, I and took part in running a jam. What was it called? Yes. Uh, it was called the Jupy Jam. Did you ever have the game jam? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, is it a yearly thing or um, where does it take place? Uh, okay, so this is this is like a full story. All right. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's let's talk about this. Um, I used to run uh, game jams for my birthday every year because I like to have more work for my birthday. I don't know, but it just seemed like a good idea. And then I'd live stream um, some other games and live stream the game jam games like right at the end and eat food because uh, that's how I like my live streams to go. Um, I stopped doing this because I went to um, Nordic Discovery Contest and a guy came up to me and told me that that was super conceited of me and that I shouldn't do that and just name game jams after myself and run game jams um, that are about me and it makes me a bad person. And I took that super to heart was like, I'm bad for doing this, so I'm done. Um, he still follows me on Twitter, so hi. <laughs> um, but that's... Um, how I felt. Um, Quang uh, of Asobi Tech 
wanted to run a game jam um, as a part, uh, originally as a part of our Game Maker meetup, which was a monthly meetup that we did here in London. He wanted to do a physical game jam. I've never done a physical game jam before. I'd mainly um, done online game jams because I lived before in the southwest of England. I lived in Turkey, which is the tail end where no one who's under the age of 60 lives. Apart from me, none of those people wanted to game jam. Um, So... He wanted to run a game jam, and um, as Game Maker, um, the event came to, as Game Maker Meetup came to a sort of close, um, it made more sense to have a game jam that was focused around me somehow. Um, So Quang did a lot of the prep for it, and there's a lot of prep that goes into a physical game jam. There's finding a space that has good Wi-Fi and computers for the duration of the event. There's food there's if you like most game jams should have a place to sleep da 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 da. Uh, but this one specifically the one that happened recently was here in london it was at the south bank university which they let us use which was lovely of them um and it's not as far as i know going to be a yearly thing but who knows what the future holds i'm waiting to hear back from the british government about my visa so who knows who the future holds (laughs) Um, it was really awesome to be a part of though, and it was um, super cute of Quang to have named it after me and given me so much involvement, um, yet take most of the responsibilities out of it. Um, this game jam specifically, so with physical game jam, sometimes there's a keynote and sometimes there's talks during it or at the end or whatever. Castle Game Jam has a keynote and talks, um, as well as like a load of other game jams. Um, Castle Game Jam is like the first physical game jam I ever went to. It's in uh, Sweden. Um, but yeah, so there's uh, a lot to do. I would suggest not running a physical game jam on your own, ever. It's a lot to do. Um, finding a good uh, location is important. I would say find somewhere people can sleep overnight. Um, that just makes things a whole lot better if people have a weird sleeping schedule or so that they don't have to leave. Um, Manchester, uh, Jamchester actually. Jam Chester does really, really wonderful game jams that are overnight. They have a sleeping facility. They have full catering. They have great Wi-Fi. It's considered like a professional. It's marketed as a professional game jam for professionals, and it's set up like that. It's really high class. Um, alternatively, you can do more low-key game jams, and that's perfectly fine, but you're going to have to think about like food and places to sleep and water and Wi-Fi and computers and there's a lot of like logistics that have to be done with getting loads of people to come and use the internet in the same location. And um, I don't know, it's much easier to do online game jams because basically you just set up a page on itch.io and you just have a logo and some words and a fun theme and hope things go well. So you have to do more promotion, it seems, when it comes to online game jams because there's so many of them. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. Um... Moving back to what you said a while back about, you know, you can't just leave your team. <laughs> if it's not working out, then leave your team. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a few hacks, for example, that have a, at like the the middle towards the end of the first day, they have uh, a time for everybody to get together. And um, basically, sometimes teams dissolve. Sometimes the idea gets uh, a bit too divergent and it splits into two teams. And sometimes people sort of get left out in the cold because whatever they were going to make has just sort of evaporated into nothingness and they don't want to work together anymore. So the idea is that they have this little intermediary moment where everybody comes together and um, they discuss what... um, each team is missing. So the teams that are, you know, getting on well and they're doing all right, they might say, oh, well, I really need an artist or uh, I need someone to code the back end or 
uh, we need someone to set up a high school system or something like that. So that might be a particular skill that applies to, you know, what your skill set is. Mm-hmm. And it might be that, you, you you know, you're actually well suited to work with that team. And it gives the teams who are still together a chance to assess what they need and who would be good for it. And then anybody who's left over, the sort of stragglers <laughs> on their own, like, please take me. Um, they actually have people who they can go to with their skills, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice way to sort of um, bring everyone together and make sure everyone does have a team who is looking for a team, um, which can be nice because, again, that was one of my fears. I go to the game jam and you're just like, hello, please take me. Don't let me go on my own, please. Be my friend. Exactly. <laughs> we'll produce game for friendship. <laughs> So, yeah, that is something that um, could could be served well on this sort of, you know, weekend jams, especially at physical locations. I was just going to say, I'd say for on, uh, online game jams to have a place where people can connect as a community and to build a community around your game jam is always good. So that people can work together and assess their skills. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, I was actually intrigued when he said earlier, like, there was a game jam you mentioned, and you didn't like that there weren't trophies anymore. Well, Ludumdare has a good community, and it's not like trophies specifically. They had a badge system where like anyone could give anyone else badges, and it like wasn't like Ludumdare. You're not gonna make top ten. Like most people aren't gonna make top ten in any fucking category because there's like four thousand entries every every single time. Um, so they had these little badges, these little 32 by 32 pixel badges that appeared on your profile page. And people would just give it to other people. Like, I have trophies on the old, like, website for, like, reviewing games that people just made. Like, little little MS paint art that people made. I had one for, like, having a good voice. And, like, I gave them out as, like, my favorites. And other people gave them out for, like, people who, like, made platformers. And they could tell they made platformers a lot in their gym. They were just random, some of these. One of them was, like couldn't get past level one. There was a guy actively going around and giving out these little badges, these little trophies for people who developed games that were too challenging for them to complete the first level. And it just added so much like community and fun to this like game jam where the same more or less winners tend to always place. Um, and I just was very sad when it was removed and I like begged for it to come over to the new site. And they were like, no, and I was like, but it was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah, yeah, I remember Deviant Art has like a similar thing where I think anyone can give anyone like a llama badge, <laughs> and it's like the most pointless badge, but like mm-hmm. it feels really good getting one because yeah. it it just it's just like one person on the internet has like seen your stuff mm-hmm. and just like wants to like recognize it in some way, so it just gives you a llama and like you can give other people a llama, and it just mm-hmm. feels like there's a human out there that you have this weird connection for like a second where they're like hey i'm glad you're you here deserve a llama. yeah uh ludumdari.com doesn't even exist anymore so i don't even have like my old profile this is so sad i didn't come on this podcast to be sad <laughs> i don't even have my old trophies that means ah uh, i had one that was like a bird and it said that i had a, a, a lovely voice and i was super proud i love it so for those who are looking for it, there is not a ludumdare.com or whatever it used to be. It's now moved to ldjam.com. But again, it reroutes, though. If you type in ludumdare.com, it just reroutes to ldjam. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. No confusion. <laughs> Sad. But yeah, 
I don't know. I quite like the trophy. I'm not sure what. Um, I feel like I sort of talked over your point, and I apologize for that. Uh, I just wanted to make it clear that it wasn't like not having awards because I quite like game jams that are non-competitive. It was just removing an aspect that for me was a part of the community it made me sad. I wanted to ask, what length do you think is good for a game jam? Because I've, I've, you know, competed in um, jams with a variety of length. I've done 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, two weeks. I know um, at the Warwick Game Design Society, they also do the one-hour jam, which is in the time when the, the clocks go back. Yeah. <laughs> which is lovely. Uh, is this, isn't it called the zero-hour jam? Zero-hour yeah. jam. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So, the, you know, they exist in lots of formats. Um, I did a two-week jam, and I found that nothing actually happened until, like, the last two days, and it was basically just a normal jam anyway. So that wasn't something that I enjoyed. But... Yeah, what do you think are the best ones? Most popular weekend jams that are 48 hours. I like 72 hours more than 48 hours because I feel like there needs to be a day of like decompressing and fixing all of your bugs. Um, I like the stuff that comes out of the bigger month-long game jams um, where people do maximize the use of a month's time where they like jam every single weekend for that month. But a lot of people don't have the time to spare, and because that deadline's not pressing, they don't tend to work on it as much, which I'm guessing is what you ended up doing, Dan, which is fine. But um, sometimes you get some really good games out of that. But it's kind of impossible to have a month-long game jam at a physical location, so they have to be online, which is sometimes a downside for people. So personally, I like games that come out of a month-long jam, but 42 hour, uh, 42, 48 hours and 72 hours are like the most popular ones. And they have good games, too. It's really up to the developers who are participating and what their skill set is and what they can do in that uh, allotted time. Absolutely. I even saw a jam um, that had a diversifier where you could only work on it for one hour a day. I think it was a week-long one. So mm. you're still kind of spending the same amount of time that you would have spent over a weekend jam, but it sort of encouraged healthy patterns. Um, yeah. It was an interesting one. But yeah, like you said, it's up to the developers as much as the people who are hosting the game. How long do you actually spend working on it? Um Okay, so just sort of as we wrap up, do you have any any extra funny stories that you would like to share, Jupiter? I know you've already shared a few. <laughs> um, I feel like I had some in mind. Um, I wanted to tell you about a weird game jam. Okay, yeah, I would love to hear about that. Cool. So there's this Taiwanese game jam called the Kuso Jam, and Kuso directly translates into the uh, into the word shit. And basically, it's all of these people coming together and making, like, horrible games. And they're, like, so into it. This community that just makes these bad games. It's a yearly game jam. And one year, they had me with a translator on their, like, little keynote thing. And they were like, so do you know what this game jam's about? I was like, no, I hadn't thought, like, this is a word that I should plug into Google Translate. I just thought that it was, like, a bit lower quality. Everyone just kind of didn't spend that much time on them. But no, they were like, no, no, we just wanted you here to get your reaction to us telling you we're intentionally making broken shit games and you cover them year after year. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> hi, <laughs> this is what I do. Uh, so that's wonderful. They they have a great game jam. It's it's wonderful if you don't particularly want to make a serious game. Um, there have been so many game jams that I've gone to at physical locations that I've had wonderful times at. There's been lots of... Um, 
I don't know, interesting online game jams. Uh, for the longest time, going back to you saying that it's easier to join game jams because you can host them on itch, um, there was a game jam for the longest time called Tag, the Tag game jam. And it was called Tag because the winner had to host the next one because obviously you couldn't just host it on itch. You had to like have a, a domain and like put the game jam up somewhere and do... So I got to host a tag game jam because I drew some assets for a game that won one time. And I got to host it. And that was the first game jam that I hosted. So that was really interesting in the way that it moved around a lot and everyone had to make their own pages. So none of them looked the same. None of the themes were ever similar. And nothing had to do with tag. It was just the way that it was hosted. But... I've not participated in very many game jams. I've only submitted like a single game to a game jam. And with hosting it, um, I don't know, I end up being just busy. <laughs> but in covering, you get to see a lot of people's work, which is fun. I feel like the Kuso is the weirdest game jam I've ever participated in. Um, Proc Jam is a cool game jam. I don't know if you'd call it weird, but you make it's not necessarily a game jam. It's um, a jam where you make something that makes something. You can make generative patterns or art or music or games and that's quite fun um there's so many jams there's been so many jams there's been political game jams there's been game jams with really strange themes there's been reoccurring like uh, a game by its cover um where you look at box art that's not real box art and you make a game based on that it's quite cool but then so is like the bad box art jam which came out in response to that where you look at like really shitty actual games that have been released box art and you make like an equally inspired by game and then you get weird games from that <laughs> and just insane stuff they just recently closed one out and like the gallery of awful art is intense um, but yeah, there's a game jam for literally everything. There's game jam. For, there's game jams for specific engines, for specific ideas. Uh, there's game jams around like movies and music and I don't know anything really at this point. So you find a few weird ones here and there. That does sound interesting. I think I'm gonna have to check that out myself. Actually, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of my games qualify. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just as our very final thing, we thought it'd be fun to come up with our own game jam theme. So we've each got a 30 second pitch of um, what game jam we would like to see out there. So, uh, Glenn, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So we, we kind of talked about this idea a bit before. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or just after the podcast, but it's the idea of kind of like an investor jam. So you start making a game based on the investor's initial idea. And then every like a quarter or a third of the game jam, the investors completely change what they want the game to be about. And you have to rapidly adapt to this kind of like dragon's den of people telling you like <laughs> what they want the game to be to give you money, essentially. Um, I did have a quick idea just as you guys were talking uh, about like, I, I think people have had this concept before, but you put uh, like a game on a data stick and then like somebody spends a day making stuff and then you give it to another developer. And then after it reaches like 30 developers, you see what the hell you've made. Um, I like the idea of maybe like a game jam where stuff constantly changes or you get a lot of people's inputs, but without like the cohesion. That sounds quite fun, but also quite high stress. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, Nita. Oh, good. I did have like a proper, proper idea. 
I've, I've just been a strong advocate for they should actually be jam when you ha- do a game jam. So if you think a physical game jam, someone should bring jam. Um, and maybe even have a jam-related thing. Uh, maybe it gets too meta. But, um, yeah, that should be part of the snacks that you get. Yay. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Um, noted from the next one. Done. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I need physical jam and my physical game jam. I see this call out and I acknowledge it. Uh, <laughs> or, you, or you can even do, like, jammy dodges, for example. So if you have... I'm not British. I don't know what this is. It's oh. a type of biscuit with jam. It's really nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just to have everyone jam on some spoons and enjoy your lunch <laughs> it's going to devolve into an argument of what is real jam like what is a real game oh, no okay um jupiter <laughs> do you want to go next oh, i'm so bad at thinking of themes my favorite concept for a game jam that i think should happen more often is when you take developers and you pair them up with a kid and you have to make the kid's idea. I think that's fantastic. Just you have to cater to this child who then also probably draws the assets and does the sound effects. And those are just the purest of games. And there's something that I quite enjoy and would love to see more of. Uh, similarly, I quite like the game. Like, no one's done it, but they've talked about doing game jams where you, like, take someone who's, like, super confident in their game development skill and then someone who's, like, noob doesn't know how to like really use the engine very well but is interested and you pair them up and see what happens and I think that would be just great in boosting people's confidence and helping them explore game jams in a, a good environment. Yeah, yeah that is really interesting. It reminds me of like you know you get the Yuki student game jam or the mm. BAFTA young game designers so it's usually you know you have the professional who's a mentor helping the young kids but it'd be interesting to combine those two things together because that would be a different type of learning experience I guess or mentorship I guess and maybe even the developer will probably learn a lot from it as well mm. so yeah no I really like those ideas um, my uh, concept was that it's the off-roll jam so everybody normally joins the jam and they're like you know I'm a coder I'm going to do the code I'm an artist I'm going to do the art but I think it would be really insightful for people to be able to join a jam and say well I'm going to do something that I don't normally do and that kind of falls in line with the I'm here to learn something so you know maybe the artist has done a little bit of coding and they would like to um, you know have a go at improving it and then the great thing is there's probably going to be someone there who could always help you because Mm. there's the coding expert who's doing the art and the artist expert who's doing the code. So you can always help each other if you do fall into difficulties, but it's a good way to um, expand your skill set rather than just focusing on your main disciplines. Okay, and I think that just about wraps it up. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Level Edit podcast. Today we have been joined by the wonderful Jupiter Hadley. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, If you have any thoughts or comments about this episode, then please do let us know. We are on... Uh, at level edit on twitter and we love to hear from you if you like this episode then please do leave a rating and next week we are looking at talking about um, narrative design with a couple of writers within the context of gaming so thank you very much yeah, and we'll see you next time if you want to uh, find jupiter hadley on twitter i believe it's at jupiter underscore hadley yeah that's where i am everywhere and all of these links will be in the um in the description below. All right, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.